should probably turn this on, huh? <clears throat> We're getting a chance to talk about God's spirit today. And uh, I'm really excited about that. It's, um, it's, a, it's a tall task, you know, like when, when the whole entire Bible is about God's spirit, was, was, came about through God's spirit, you're like, okay, how do we, you know, touch on this topic without, you know, talking about it for just weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, and so, but, but I'm really looking forward to what we're talking about. We, we had a great discussion in the 9 a.m. this morning. We were able to kind of talk amongst ourselves, which was really great. But even afterwards, it's, it's amazing how much you can talk about with God's spirit. It doesn't, it's, it's not very definable in many ways uh, in, in terms like what he does and, and all that. So, uh, we're just going to be, it's going to be a simple message today. I hope that we're just going to look at Jesus and what he says about his spirit. And then, uh, and then I'm excited. We're going to try to do a little something different at the end, um, which I'm looking forward to. But, uh, but you know, we've been going through this series. We're, we're five weeks into our, our series on winning the war uh, in your mind. Last week, Chase did a great job talking about um, our, our flesh. And, uh, and so today's kind of the second part of that passage in Romans 8, which we'll look at here in a minute. But I love this thought we've been talking about. Our life always moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And Romans 8, I, you know, kind of goes more into that where it says, hey, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You know, there is an awesome promise in there. The spirit's promise that when we set our minds on him, life and peace are waiting for us. And we know that from the first like couple of sentences in the Bible. If you look at Genesis chapter one, what do we know? Right at the beginning, it says God created the skies and he created the land. And it says that there is a darkness you know, that was over the surface of the deep. And there was this chaotic waters that were there. And so we're kind of in this kind of dark, chaotic time. But it says the spirit of God was there hovering over the waters. The breath of God, the wind of God was there hovering over the waters. And then all of a sudden God speaks. His breath goes out and life and peace come up out of the darkness and the chaos. And so we know right from the beginning, the, the first few sentences of the Bible, that the spirit is his main, one of his main primary roles in our life is to bring life and peace in the darkness and chaos of this world. But the question that we're all asking, you know, is, is who is the spirit? Because, you know, we, had, we talked about it, we kind of opened it up in the 9 a.m. And there are so many different thoughts about who the spirit is, what his role is. Everybody connects with him in kind of a, a unique way. Uh, but I think how we answer that question is vital for how we choose to live our lives. And how the Spirit interacts with us kind of on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, I think sometimes it's easy to talk about the Spirit kind of as maybe like a mystical force that you don't really know much about, that's impersonal, that maybe it's only, dedicated, you know, for the spiritual elite that kind of can tap into the power of the Spirit. Um, so maybe a mystical force. Or sometimes I think it's easy to, to think of the Spirit as maybe an accuser in our life that's coming to us and telling us all the things we're doing wrong and coming to us and saying, man, you're not enough. And uh, I'm disappointed, you know, in how you've been living this way and you should be kind of living more this way. And, you know, definitely the Spirit, you know, convicts the sin of sin, righteousness and, righteousness and judgment and brings kind of the ugly truth, you know, up into the surface of our lives, which is really important. But the title of accuser, you know, that goes to somebody else, right? The, the title of accuser, the devil, that word, right, means the accused, the false accuser the opposer, the slanderer. That's what, that, that's what the devil means. Now, I love Jesus' nickname for the spirit. 
Because when Jesus describes the spirit, he uses something different. He uses the advocate. John 14 and 16 talk about Jesus. Or, you know, Jesus is talking, saying, man, I, I can't wait to send an advocate to you, the spirit of truth. And I love that word advocate because what it means is it means helper. It means comforter, counselor, actually one that's called to one's aid, someone who walks alongside with, doesn't kind of sit up in their booth and tell you what to do, but it's right there in the trenches with you, helping you, counseling you, training you, and, and, and walking alongside of you. I love that thought about who the Spirit is. Why, why do I love it? It's because Jesus doesn't describe the Spirit in like mystical terms. He describes him in very relational terms. Someone that you're walking with. Paul, Paul carries this on in Galatians 5 where he talks about this idea of walking with the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit. Kind of this, this dance that we have with the Spirit. Getting time, relational time with the Spirit. And it says, you know that, you know that uh, saying, it says, you know, you, you are who you hang out with. You know, with the Spirit, when we walk with Him, we end up becoming people that are more loving and peaceful, and patient, and joyful, and self-controlled, and faithful, and gentle. We become that way when we walk, when we get a chance to walk with God's Spirit. Now, for me, uh, a helpful image for this, um, you know, that, that my buddy Cody and I talk about a lot, that just has helped me. You might think it's, it's kind of lame, but for me, when I picture the Spirit, someone that helps me, you know, with that image is Yoda, okay? And uh, I don't know if we have some Star Wars fans, you know, in the house. I'm not like a massive Star Wars fan, but, but Yoda, you know, is just a really cool image to me of what this kind of like the Spirit's role is in our life. And I wanted to show a quote, you know, or a show a clip, you know, from Star Wars. So we're going to watch um, a little bit of Yoda uh, right here with... No. We'll never get it out now. So certain are you. Always with you, what cannot be done. Do you nothing that I say? Master, moving stones around is one thing. This is totally different. No, no different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. Do or do not. There is no try. You know, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad like our visual effects have gotten a little bit better, you know. Um, Yoda's kind of creepy there as a little, as a little puppet Yoda. Um, you know, but what's really, what's really cool is right there afterwards, you know, in the clip that, that Luke tries to, you know, use the force to kind of get, get this ship out of the water and he can't do it. And he kind of goes back discouraged. And so Yoda comes to really help him out later on and, and kind of lifts the burden with him. And what I love about, love about Yoda, you know, that's kind of helps me relate to the spirit is that the spirit, again, isn't quite just like this random power that you're zapped with. It's kind of this, it's, it's a trainer. It's a counselor. There, there, there's those moments where Yoda's on Luke's back and they're running through the woods together and, and, and Luke gets discouraged. And so, uh, you know, Yoda's right there to counsel him and train him and advocate for him. When things get too challenging, he's right there to lift the burden with him. And, and instead of sitting there expecting Luke to do it all by himself, they do it together. They're walking with one another. And I love, I love what he says right there because he says, the reason you can't do it is because you believe you can't. There's this negativity that's kind of getting in his mind and what if one of his main roles is to say, Luke, you got this. You believe you can't because you, you don't, you can't because you believe you can't. And he's there to encourage him and comfort him. I know for me, 
And I don't know if you can relate to this. I feel like recently, like, you know how we've been talking about those ruts and those kind of grooves that we get in and it's kind of our, our first, you know, gear is to go to some different thoughts, you know, that we have. I feel like for me recently, my, my, the first gear I tend to go to is towards kind of like criticism or towards negativity or towards complaining or towards like being quick to gossip, you know, about somebody or share with them why maybe I could have done it better or something they should have done better in general. And these, and it tends, I don't know why recently this has been the case, but it just seems like my first gear is kind of this negativity as opposed to, you know, kind of those, those fruits of the spirit that we talked about. And I think the spirit wants to come to me and he says, hey, Nick, so let's talk about that for a little bit. You know, he kind of, he kind of, he, he counsels me in that moment. And he says, I need you to unlearn some things that you've learned. And we're going to learn a little bit of a different way here. There's a different way to go about life in peace. And I want to show you that. But you're going to have to walk with me. You're going to have to be counseled by me. You're going to have to listen to me. You're going to have to train with me. And if we do that together, if we walk step by step, man, there's going to be some life and peace that come. You know, I don't know how you see him in your life. Do you see him as that accuser? Do you see him as the helper? But what role does he have in our life? Because I think, you know, if we go back to um, some of those fruits of the spirit, sometimes what I think we end up doing is saying, okay, I want to become more patient. And so I'm just going to try to be more patient when things get challenging. Or I'm going to be, try, I'm going to try to be more joyful. I've been kind of down. I'm going to try to be more joyful. And so you wake up saying, okay, help me be joyful today. And then you kind of go, you know, into your day. And, and you quickly realize that's very hard to do on your own willpower. Trying to, trying to do it by yourself. And you really, you know, willpower is helpful when you like, when there's the last cookie that you refuse to eat, you know, right there. But willpower doesn't stand a chance against like childhood trauma or against like father wounds or against like some intense things that have happened in your life. Willpower has no chance to kind of overcome some of those things because we can't really try to be those things. The way that we become those things is by walking with the master, walking with the counselor, walking with the advocates, you know. There's a, there's a quote about that kind of brings these together in a, in a cool way. It says uh, from that book, Live No Lies, that um, Chase was talking about last week. It says, willpower is at its best when it does what it can, which is directing my body into spiritual practices so that the spirit's power can do what willpower can't, overcome the flesh and give us life and peace. You know, willpower is helpful for basically helping us create the space for the spirit to go to work on us. Where do we do battle? We do battle with Jesus's practices. So when we, when we practice certain things, we're going to talk about a couple of those practices. That's when the spirit has the space to come in and really influence influence our lives. But if we're just kind of hustling around and just kind of going about throughout our day, the spirit I think is talking to us a lot, but we don't make the time to listen to what he's trying to say. And so trying to, the spiritual practices is where we, where we help find that space. You know, where does it say that Jesus came back in the power of the spirits? There's a moment where it says Jesus came back in the power of the spirit. Where was that? That was right after he gets back from the desert. So he's in the desert and he comes back in the power of the spirit. Well, what, what was he doing in the desert? He was doing three different things, you know, that we see. He was replacing lies with scripture, which is what we've talked about the last few weeks. He was fasting, which, you know, you don't have to just fast at the beginning of the year. You know, we can fast all throughout the year and work it into our weekly rhythms. We see him fasting. 
Uh, and the one we wanted to talk about for a little bit, and Bree's going to come up here in a minute and, and, uh, and talk as well, um, is about silence and solitude in, this, in these quiet moments uh, with the Spirit. You know, I think God does speak to us in, in the big. You know, there, there's definitely, we can all talk about big moments. There was kind of these life-changing moments that were huge that kind of changed the way that we thought. But I think that more often, you know, the Spirit speaks to us in those quiet, lonely moments. You know, I've heard, I've heard the Spirit uh, talked about before um, as, this, as this wild animal that if there's chaos and commotion and loudness and noise all over, the, the animal won't come out. But if you're quiet long enough, if you're still, if you're patient, even patient past the point of being uncomfortable, you might get a glimpse of that beautiful animal, you know, showing itself. And I think for us, in a world of so much noise and chaos, I don't think we're going to hear the Spirit very much in those big moments. To me, I think we need to create the space, the quiet space, where we're going to hear the Spirit's voice. We see that so often in the Scriptures. Remember Elijah up on the mountain where there's fire and earthquakes? But where does God speak? In that gentle whisper at the very end. Why does Jesus go away so often to the lonely places? He goes off to the quiet to hear the Spirit's voice, to come back stronger and in his power. Remember uh, Samuel? In the middle of the night, he hears God calling him. And Eli tells him to say, hey, in those moments, in those, in those quiet moments of the night, ask God, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And I think we need to all have that posture of, saying, of, of being in those quiet moments and saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. There's a quote, I think, that talks, that talks uh, about that. It's kind of this idea, um, this concept, uh, the difference between uh, cathedral and concert. And it says, concert makes sense when our greatest challenge is apathy, the West in the circuit of the last 50 years. And we need to ramp up and motivate people because they're arriving sleepy. But cathedral makes far more sense in a world where our greatest enemy is noise and distraction, today's world. Because people are coming already overwhelmed and exhausted. They need quiet, some space to let the sediment settle, to learn to hear God and themselves. We need to change before we overwhelm an already exhausted world. And Bree's going to talk about that uh, with us for a little bit. Um, I'm excited to share just for a few minutes about my relationship with the Spirit because I feel like it's something that I've come to cherish a lot more recently. Um, obviously, we have a lifetime of learning up ahead. Um, but it's been, I've really enjoyed getting closer to Him recently. Um, and I think what Nick is saying is true that the more that we practice listening in those moments of silence and solitude, then the more easily we recognize His voice throughout the day, right? Um, I want to share about a, a particular listening moment I had several years ago. It was a summer, and I was wrestling in my faith really hardcore. I was wrestling with a lot of emotions and thoughts and uh, voices in my head that were like, you are an imposter as a Christian. Um, God is super disappointed in you. I knew that God loved me, but I didn't feel like he liked me. And I just had a lot of, I just had a lot of doubts about where I stood with God. And uh, now that I can start recognizing lies, like we've talked a lot about in this series about recognizing the lies that we believe, I can start pinpointing some of the lies that I was struggling with that summer. And those were that I can't please God, 
I don't have what it takes. And God wants me to prove myself before he helps me. And that's, those are lies that come up in my life a lot. That's why I recognize them now. So that summer, uh, there was a day that I went to a quiet place. I was in a room alone and I started, I started really wrestling. I started praying. I started crying. I started shouting. I was like, God, I am sick of being insecure in my relationship with you. Where do I stand before you? Just tell me, how do you feel about me? Where are we? And I got it all out, I got all the angst out, and then I decided, okay, I'm gonna be quiet, I'm gonna listen, and create some space to hear. And I was like, God, how are we doing? <laughs> and so as I was listening, after a few moments, um, this thought entered my head that didn't really come from me, and so I noticed it, and it was this word that was clear as a bell and just resounded over and over again, and it was the word daughter. And over and over again, I just heard, daughter, daughter, you are my daughter. Um, and and it, was, it was interesting. It didn't, that thought, once again, that thought didn't come from me. And I was like, if you really view me as a daughter, that changes everything, right? That changes everything in this moment. It reframes this whole moment. Um, and of course, that, that was a big identity shift for me to really decide. I realized that the spirit was leading me he was calling me to believe a truth of God's heart that he wanted me to start living by. He was like, you've heard me say that you're my daughter, but I want you to start believing it and living like it. And uh, it's just like Jesus says that he will guide us into all truth, right? That's what the spirit does. And I think the spirit wants to keep leading us into truths all the time. And so of course we can ask ourselves, how do we know if it's the spirit, right? How do I know that wasn't just an emotional moment, right? Um, and uh, I think, thankfully, Galatians 5 is so clear, right, that we can tell that we can recognize the Spirit's leadership by the fruits. Am I becoming more loving? Is this bringing me to more peace? Is this bringing me to more gentleness? Um, of course, the Spirit's never at odds with God's, God's words, right? That he's always going to speak to us in tune with God's heart that we see in the scriptures. And I also love that the Spirit is just going to lead us to the same places that he led Jesus. So if I want to understand where the Spirit's trying to lead me, I can look at the Gospels and I can look at Jesus' life, Jesus' life and be like, okay, where were you leading him? This is where you want to lead me to. They're not in disagreement. This is Jesus' spirit and God's spirit. And ultimately that he doesn't want to lead us to a place of confusion, right? Like Nick mentioned, Genesis 1, he is the spirit that brings order in the chaos. Um, so for me, letting the spirit train my thought life, of course, takes constant practice. Um, one of my best friends always says to me, Brie, you, you take your own thoughts too seriously. And that takes a lot of hard work to unlearn, that my emotions are so strong, I think that they're truth. And, um, and so he's been training me a lot, the Spirit's been training me a lot to silence my mind in different ways. And these are some things that help me. And I know, um, I know this is relatable to a lot of you guys. I think to silence my mind, of course, my mind is like the dog and up, like squirrel, squirrel, squirrel point, right? It's just all over the place. And so to silence, I think it helps me to start by just directly asking God what I need. Just starting out, just cast my anxieties, just be direct. Just kind of like a parent once with their kid, just tell me what you need. Don't, don't beat around the bush. Just ask for, ask for the help that you need. Start naming the lies that have come up. Just say them out loud and say, I need help with this lie. I feel like I can't please God. Help me. Um, breath is so cool. Just being able to breathe really slowly and deeply and the science behind breathing is so cool. 
Um, and for me, it helps a lot to repeat and ruminate on a certain word or a phrase in those moments of silence. My go-to is usually Psalm 23, even just the first verse. God is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And just ruminating on that. I lack nothing. And repeating that over and over. Um, or sometimes even just repeating the phrase, I'm listening. Because <laughs> then it helps me actually listen. Like, I'm listening. I'm listening. Um, and then he's definitely teaching me to wait in those silence moments because sometimes I just want, I just want clarity really quickly, or I just want comfort really quickly. And he's like, you know, sometimes you got to wait and let it be quiet long enough where you're uncomfortable. And then you start hearing me. Um, but sometimes I don't wait long enough for that uncomfortable point, if you know what I mean. And, um, ultimately I can tell he's leading me when I start seeing how I entered that moment with more clarity, like, wow, that was really selfish, or I was really afraid, and I don't have to be afraid anymore. I don't have to think about this in a selfish way. Okay, I get to be free from this, and starts bringing that peace, that gentleness, that self-control, um, and, and those moments with the Spirit end ultimately with a breath of relief and a lot of gratitude. Like, okay, I can, I can reframe this. I can walk through this differently. Um, and so, of course, that voice of being told, man, Brie, you're my daughter, means a lot more to me now than it did uh, eight weeks ago because uh, we have a daughter now. And um, to understand, I mean, I thought I knew what love was. And now, wow, um, the thought that the spirit feels about me the way that I feel about Mari, our daughter, like takes my breath away. And um, of course, these last eight weeks have been a huge learning curve, right? And especially the first few weeks at home, you come home from the hospital with a newborn and you're like, what do we do? There's no instruction manual. Um, and, and, I, and I think letting the spirit train my thought life these last eight weeks especially has been survival. Like there's no way that I could be alive if, if he hadn't helped me in some of the mind training. Of course, all the what ifs, right, of having a baby. Is she breathing? Is this a hungry cry or is she internally bleeding? I can't tell. Um, and then, you know, our age old question is, will we ever get a full night's sleep again? Um, and everything's new. And, and the last couple months, when I stop in those moments of fear and I decide not to Google, but instead to silence and say, okay, spirit, where are you leading me? I'm afraid right now. And I start recognizing it's the same lies. And it's, but it's coming up now in a different form. It's saying, I can't please God as a mom. I don't have what it takes. God wants me to prove myself as a spiritual mom before he helps me. Those are some of the lies that have come up for me. And something he's really consistently been training me in is the discipline of being in the moment. And so in those silent moments, I've heard him say, Bree, stop worrying about the next hour. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about what your six-month-old needs. You don't have one yet. You have a two-month-old. Um, be right here. You have what you need right now. I am giving you what you need for what you're facing right here, right now, exactly with what you've got. You don't need to be any more than you are. Just be right here with her. I'm with you. You've got this. He, he empowers me right where I am every hour. And I realize that he's just teaching me to parent the way that he parents, right? I think it's something important to understand in our relationship with the spirit is that he always meets us right where we're at. When Paul says, keep in step with the spirit, that implies that he's not 50 yards ahead saying, hey, do better, get more spiritual, and then I'll lead you, right? He's saying, no, right where you are, 
Let's take the first step together and then another step and another step. Just like I love being with my two-month-old daughter, not my six-month-old daughter. That's how he feels about us. He's like, I cherish counseling you right now, where you're at right now. It's amazing to think that the spirit that hovered over the waters of the deep is still wanting to create life and peace in us right now. And so I just wanna encourage you guys that wherever you are right now, this is where he wants to meet you, invite him into this moment. He's poised and ready to produce all of his fruits in you exactly where you are right now. Thanks. Bree's Bree, been a fantastic mom. It's been really fun to watch, you know, and, uh, and be partners in that together. Um, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, we started that Practicing the Way series that's become, uh, you know, a yearly thing for us. And I remember in that moment kind of feeling like I need to click into a different rhythm, you know, in my times with God that um, are a lot more focused and emphasized on just being, just being quiet, quiet before him. That's my daughter crying right there. Isn't that kind of awesome? <laughs> so she's amazing. Um, and so I needed to click into a different emphasis of just being quiet, you know, with God. And so what I started doing is just starting off my day with just like a moment, you know, of silence. And I would start off at like three minutes. I'd, I'd, I'd you know, put my timer there and just breathe for three minutes and kind of breathe in life and peace and, you know, breathe out fear and chaos. And then I would just kind of sit there for a few extra minutes and, and just ask God to say, God, if there's anything that you're wanting to say to me in this moment, uh, I, I, I'm creating the space, you know, for, uh, you know, for you to, for you to speak. And I started off small and it, and it, and it grew from there. Um, but I felt like I learned so much in that time. And I remember a few weeks after really practicing that, a lot of anxiety started coming up in my, in my life. And I remember sitting there and I'm praying to God in that, in that quiet moment, just saying, God, I'm going to listen for the next, uh, next little while. And I pray that you would just take any anxieties that I'm feeling, any lies that I'm hearing and just Bring them to the surface. Help me understand where those are coming from. And be that, you know, that like rubber ball, you're peeling back the, you know, the rubber bands, you know, off of, off of the ball. And what I felt in those moments was you sit down for like, you know, a minute and you're like, okay, one or two come to mind. And then you sit there for a little bit longer and you wait. And then I had a list of 10 or 12 different lies, anxieties that I'm, I, I could, I was pulling out, you know, of my brain and the spirit was helping me pull out of my brain. And I remember sitting there and I, I imagined Jesus being next to me. And I imagine just kind of handing him uh, each anxiety, kind of one by one, and handing him each lie one by one. And by the end of it, I just kind of imagined him, you know, just smiling and, and looking at me, uh, giving me a little fist bump and saying, hey, Nick, we're in this together. I'm really excited and grateful to take on those burdens with you. I'm in the trenches with you. I'm walking with you. We're doing this together. I'm going to be with you always. Uh, we can do this, you know, with, with one another. And I remember in that moment, what you feel in that moment is this, this big sense of life and peace that come over your, your heart and your mind. And, and then and fast forward to this past New Year's Eve, um, you know, I'm sitting in my house and, uh, you know, a couple of police officers come up to my door and basically both of my cars that at, while I was in the house were stolen out of my driveway and then crashed. And so we're getting, we're, we're having these conversations, you know, this is this past New Year's Eve and then... We were a week away from moving to a new house and within the month of Mari being born and then all the other stuff that was happening in the beginning of the year, some family stuff was going on. And all of a sudden it was like overwhelmed storm, you know, at one moment, you know, with me. All the different lies and, and anxieties start creeping in of why would this happen now? Why would this happen to me? God, like kind of all, all those thoughts that started coming. 
And I remember in those moments, because I think I had tried to practice some of those silent moments in the, in the years and months before, I felt like I could clearly hear the Spirit calling me out into the quiet with him and calling me out just to go for a walk with him. It's calling me and saying, hey, Nick, you know where to go to find some life and peace. Let's talk about this together. And it's amazing because in those moments, you're just going out for a walk. You feel, you just kind of get it out and you feel God and his, and his spirit, and his presence there with you, counseling you, advocating for you, being there with you. And I felt like in that moment, the, the war for my mind, the battle for my mind was won by the spirit. And there's so much life and peace that came from those moments. But it came from that daily practice. And I didn't hear God in every moment, but it's those thousand moments that add up, you know, to a lot of listening to God and, and developing that habit. And so what I wanted to do for, for a minute, you know, as, as we were preparing this, I was like, we don't need it. I mean, we could talk about so much, but who wants to hear, you know, us talk about the Spirit for a long time? The Spirit is in the room. The Spirit is here with us today. And so we, we felt like, man, if we're talking about creating space, why don't we just create some space in the service just to listen for a while? And just to be quiet for a while. And you might hear that and be like, that sounds incredible. I'm waiting for you to stop speaking, you know, for the whole service, you know. Or you might think that that's kind of like super terrifying. And I don't know, you just, you just kind of would rather just, you know, listen to something. But I think it's going to be just a good time just to say, hey, we're just going to stop for a minute. And we're just going to be silent. And it might get pretty uncomfortable for a minute. But I really believe that it's in those, like pushing through those uncomfortable moments that God really starts speaking to us in really amazing ways. And so maybe you pray that some of the anxieties would, that you're feeling maybe this week kind of bubble up to the surface and you kind of start understanding some of those things. Maybe you're, you're asking God for a word that you can hold on to this week. Or maybe you're just kind of, you're just saying nothing. You're just kind of practicing just being silent. But I felt like let's just get some time together just to, uh, just to hear the Spirit's voice. And, um, and so we're going to take the next five minutes and just be silent and just be quiet and create the space together uh, to be able to maybe hear from the, maybe hear from the spirit. And so I'm going to pray. Uh, we'll go into a time of, of five minutes of silence. I'm going to come out, back up and pray for our communion and then we'll take some communion together. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for your spirit, for your empowering presence in our lives. That, uh, that Jesus gave us, that he died and resurrected from the dead so that we could have the chance to have your presence with us at all moments and all times. God, we pray that in these moments uh, in, in the crazy world that you would scavenge through the dark places of the world, through the chaotic places of the world, and you would bring peace and life to those dark places. We pray even for this time, this moment, God, that you would just help us to just to be still for a minute before you and, uh, and to quiet our minds and our hearts and and I pray that if there's something that you want to share with us collectively or individually, that you, would, that you would speak, God. Speak for your servants are listening. We want to hear your voice, God. We want to do your will. And uh, we pray that you would speak to us uh, in this moment. We love you. Thank you for your spirit. Amen.
God, we, uh, we just want to say thank you for being our advocate, for giving us your comforter and your counselor who's called to our aid to help us, to train us, to walk with us, to lead us towards your truth, to reveal offensive ways in us, to give us freedom. God, we are so grateful for your spirit. Uh, I pray, God, for more of these, these quiet moments individually and as a group that we can... We can learn to be attuned to your voice. We can learn to create space in our, in our life, in our minds to be still and, and listen for what you're trying to say to us. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We know that it's his spirit. We know that uh, it's his spirit that, that, gives us, that gives us power, gives us life. And we know that was opened uh, for us to access because of his death and his resurrection. And God, we want to take a moment to remember him. And uh, pray, God, even in this moment, we can be filled with his spirit uh, in, in, in more ways. Um, but, Dad, we love him very much and we love you. We thank you for being our advocate. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.